The Rice to Ricky Sanchez <laughs> podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. It's brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Briggs Auction. Is it really Briggs Auction this one? It is. Uh, the official auction of the process at briggsauction.com and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Get it at statesidevodka.com. On the show today, the Sixers are fully healthy, but Mike, not here this week. Man, Jaden Springer played in everything. Sitting in for Mike on this pod is the banned Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. A reminder, he is banned. He is simply filling in for Mike today. Um, <laughs> before we get going, a couple things. First of all, we have two new shirts available. They are both available for, I think, nine more days. Uh, if you you can go to the link in this podcast or just go to the T-shirt link at writesrickysanchez.com. One of them is the Coach Mike shirt which the with the one-two-one zone. Uh, diagram on it. And the other one is the I've always believed in Tobias Harris shirt. They will be pre-sale for two weeks and then gone for good. So one more week. I did mention Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, one of our sponsors. So we all love the Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka, which is the best version of that. Just perfectly sweet. But they announced on their social, there's going to be a peach tea and vodka. And I have the inside information that that is coming out next week. It'll only be available on the website. And there are two other flavors coming which is huge news, huge news. So go to statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21 to drink it. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with our second fill-in for Mike, the band, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. Welcome, Kevin. What's going on, Spike? How are you doing today? I, I really appreciate you bringing me on, despite being banned. I'm just filling <laughs> right. in. That's all. Yeah. Still banned. <laughs> yeah, still banned. Just filling in for the, the, the 10-year co-host of the pod, but still just filling in. I feel like you have been banned and unbanned and re-banned a few different times, actually, on the pod. Um, I, I was actually thinking the other day, you were, right after basketball shut down, uh, for COVID, I, you were on the pod like a week into it. We had a ton of guests, but you were the first COVID guest on the Ricky KOC was. I think you were unbanned at the time. I was unbanned at the time, right? Yeah, right, 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 yeah. That was one, of the, did, one of the streaks where I was. First time I was banned was why? I don't Do you remember. remember. 
No. <laughs> no. 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 Most recently, we'll get into it. Is the the Jokic Embiid thing, uh, which you know, a lot of people have have suffered some bans at the uh, at the uh, the expense of. Um, but welcome. I appreciate you you coming on. Of course, uh, Kevin's podcasts are the Mismatch and the Ringer Draft Show, and you appear on like every other pod on the friggin' Ringer Network. You're on Bill's pod and Ryan's pod and all that. And uh, is the draft when does the draft guide go live? You do the draft guide every year, of course. I believe it's going to go live on Monday or Tuesday, the seventeenth. I think that's the day where it's going to go live. Cool. I appreciate it. Well, uh, great work over there. Of course, I don't hear any of it because I wouldn't listen to a band guy. I can't do that. But, but of course, um, I, I feel like we should jump. Like, obviously, the thing that you were banned for is your Jokic vote for MVP last year. Um, I feel like we should right off the top do the Embiid versus Jokic thing. Can we do it right here? Just settle it and then that we can get, okay. get over six yeah. or stuff. Okay. Just a, a few different, a, a few different like ways into this. The first thing is, is in retrospect, do you regret voting for Jokic over Embiid last year? No, no, I don't, I don't regret it at all. Um, I mean, it was a difficult vote. It was extremely difficult between him, uh, Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. Those three guys were, I thought, clearly on their own level. And between them, I thought, you know, Jokic just got the slight edge. And and we'll see how it pan- plays out this season as well with Jokic right back in there. It'll be it'll be intriguing to see how much voters end up feeling uh, quote unquote voter fatigue. I don't think that should be a factor. It should be a total non factor. If anybody's feeling fatigue for having Embiid second multiple years in a row or Jokic multiple years in a row winning. I think that's crap. Like it shouldn't even factor into the equation here. It's about who is best for the individual season. Well, don't you think though for, for MVP, there are a lot of factors that go into it. I, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy the entire narrative arc of everything. And I sort of feel like if you win two in a row, but you don't win a championship or anything, or you don't get to the finals or something. I do feel like you get a, a, okay, you're in the penalty box until you prove that otherwise. Right. Like, don't you think that that is like, it's not, it's not specifically laid out in the criteria, but the criteria is sort of vague anyway. And the, the storyline part of it, I think, I, I don't know, three in a row for a guy that hasn't like even been to the finals feels like sort of fucking crazy. Right. I mean, well, a little I, bit, I mean, for, you're right. From uh, when you look, when we look back at the MVP winners, you know, right, ten years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, if Embiid doesn't have one, it would be disapp- it would be disappointing that that's not captured in the MVP vote. If we see Jokic win three in a row, if that happens, and he doesn't make a single finals, and he never wins one in his entire career, people are going to look back and say, "What happened with that guy? You know, how did he win these MVPs?" And you can look year by year to understand why. Like last year. You know, not having Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray did factor into it, having a weaker roster, just like for Embiid, Ben Simmons quitting on the team, then not getting Harden, then getting Harden, and he's not the same guy. That factored into him being, you know, number two for on most people's boards uh, last year. So I think, I mean, it's disappointing whether these guys win a championship or not. The award is for the regular season. And I think you can have fault with, you know, that vague criteria that you're talking about that the NBA laid out. Um, But ultimately, I think that's on the NBA to kind of clarify on 
more so like what exactly does this award mean but i, I it does mean something different to everybody remember wasn't it a couple of years ago ramona shelburne said like she hackers a narrative and like people mm-hmm. kind of jumped her on twitter for that yeah i well but ramona is in and bead's pocket which is <laughs> probably why a reason why she said that i i like the fact that it's vague to be quite honest with you i actually think it's more fun that it's a little vague because mm-hmm. i think the more the more you specify it and the more you can quantify it with numbers i think it makes it like less fun right i think like i think the i think that's why big shots are fun I, like all of that thing i i guess i guess well, okay move on to the next question though one season, if you could have one guy or the other guy to win a championship, who would you pick? Let's say, let's say, let's take injury stuff out of it. Let's make, make pretend they are both capable of playing 70 regular season games in the full Injuries play. off. Like it, like injuries off. or 2k, like they're off. Everybody's he- totally Correct. healthy. Yeah. Jokic. Oh, see, <laughs> all right. But so, okay. So this is where I become disappointed. Can I give you, can I give you my Embiid over Jokic? Well, yes, sure. it's my, my feel, podcast, feel right? Okay. Yeah. So I'll give you my Embiid <laughs> over Jokic thing. My, the, he, and I think it boils down to two very, and obviously Nicole Jokic is really good. Obvious. 100%. Oh, he's going to be a hall of famer, all those things. Yes, 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 yes. It boils down to two things. One, if you play center in the NBA and you're not really good at defense, you're hurting your team. That's my first thing. And Embiid, debatably, I won't say for sure he is the best defensive center in the NBA, but he is in the, the conversation as one of the most effective uh, defensive centers in the NBA. That, so that's my first thing. The second thing is, which is related to the first thing, is that Embiid is way better at defense compared to Jokic than Jokic is to Embiid on offense. And like, while Jokic is clearly better than Embiid offensively, Embiid like, is like led the league in scoring last year, is going to be close to it this year, is like, is obviously a fantastic offensive player, even though he's not Jokic. But I don't think you can say that defensively about Jokic. And the fact that they play center makes that even more important. So I, I just, I have a hard time thinking about if my goal is to win a championship that year and my center is like, is not a positive on defense, how am I even doing that? And how am I picking that? Guy? I think to your point, Spike, like if you're building a team out, if you're drafting from every single you know player, you let's say you have the, the first pick in the draft, the third pick in the t- entire NBA redraft, and you're sure. choosing between Jokic and Embiid for that selection. Maybe you're feeling like you can win more with having a guard or wing be your primary initiator from the perimeter rather than Jokic as your center. Sure. Like, I, I think that's the way you're viewing it. Like when it comes to building out your theoretical roster, which team you need to win with with Denver though. I mean, like with Jokic, there's just so many different types of ways that they can beat you on, on, on offense. I think, you know, in a vacuum, yes, you're right. That, Jokic is better than Embiid, but it's not like as big of a difference as Embiid is better than Jokic on defense. But in terms of a team construct, the way in which Jokic can be utilized, he can be used like Joel Embiid as a dominant post scorer, pick and pops, attack and closeouts, interior finishing. But he can also be dribble handoffs. He can bring the ball up the floor. He can run pick and roll for you. He can be used every single way on offense. and, And that's, to me, the separating skill between those two. When he's become at least, he's not, Jokic is by no means like a stopper on defense. But when he's, you know, going full throttle 100%, 
he's at least above average. He's at that level already. And I, I think you gotta give him that when it comes to comparing these two. You shake your head like you well, do you think do you think do you think if you had no numbers to look at and you just watched Jokic in an important game defensively, you would say to yourself, that guy's above average. <laughs> yeah. And no, a, it, it, that's yeah, horseshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. The, num- the numbers, I don't even look at the, I don't care about defensive numbers. Defensive numbers are so are so tough to look at because it it it's so results based. Right. Process based, uh, like where a player should be. It's based on like whether a player makes or misses oftentimes, not what they did or what the scheme is or who missed missed a help opportunity, who screwed up, you know, fighting over a screen like it's defense is about five, not one. Unless you're center. I mean, I like I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly offensively. But I, I, to your point, I think that the point is, is that you could find a player to replace, not obviously not to the level he does it, but all the creation that Jokic does, you can find at other positions. The, the theoretically, what Embiid does defensively, you cannot find at other positions. Like, like Aaron Gordon is a fantastic player, right? Like, like athletic, uh, you could use him as a center, like defensively, all of those things. The problem is, is that, Jokic is also on the floor. So if if Aaron Gordon is doing that thing that you want the center to do, then Jokic is out defending somebody on the perimeter or being hid on on a non-factor offensively. And I just like I don't feel like you should be doing that with your center. It's like a bad, it's a a bad way to try to win a championship. Sure, I, I think it's all about philosophy and the way you want to build your team. And 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 you love James Harden clearly, build building with a perimeter creator. Like clearly, you, you, love you know Harden, me. Huh? Yeah, you know me. I was just fucking dying to fucking build with James Harden. I, well, I, I, I will end it with this. I'll end it with this. So you think the the Nuggets? You think the Nuggets theoretically could win a championship with Jokic playing center? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And you you would give that team a better chance of winning a championship than see you're you're right on the vacuum thing. But if you're starting at zero, if you're starting at zero, and both guys are playing seventy games, I, I actually like knowing what we know about the importance of rim protection in the NBA. I I just I think it's a no brainer that you take Embiid in in knowing what we know about how important rim protection is in the NBA. I just, I just, I just like, think you I underrate Jokic as, as at his best on defense. I think that's underrated. He's not like he was bad at one point in his career. He was very bad at one point in his career on defense, but he's gotten progressively better year in year out to at least become average. And on a lot of nights above average and good positionally, and not to mention he's also an elite rebounder. Too. I, I mean, not, not that Embiid isn't. I'm just saying, like, overall, He's not. if you're factoring oh, that into the defense. Yeah. yeah. I just, uh, I'm just not buying it. Well, here's the good thing. Jokic was able to keep it the in the final week of the season. He was able to keep his team out of the plan, uh, which is really admirable. Like I'm, I'm glad they made the playoffs last year, and hopefully he's able to do that again this year. Um, we'll, we'll wrap. You're still banned. I'm sorry you didn't get yourself out of it on that one. Not that you tried very hard. Uh, no. After <laughs> right after this, we will we'll talk about this year's Sixers. We'll we'll talk about 
We'll talk about that with KOC. Before that, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is a... I, there's no Vegas mic, so I can't do Vegas mic. I'll play the, the... Oh, wait, that's not the Vegas mic song. Where's the Vegas mic song? There we go. We don't have Vegas mic. We have to wait for that to come back. But uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is presenting sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Of course, they're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. But the, the playoffs start this weekend. And same game parlays... I actually lost the same game parlay with the Sixers the other day. I was going to do one with the Giants game. So what if I take Giants money line? I'll take Saquon Barkley as any time touchdown scorer. I will take Dan. Let's where's Daniel Jones yardage, Daniel Jones, passing yards. I'm going to go under 249. Where does that put me? I got to take it off that one. There we go. It puts me at that. That would be plus 425. You can create your, your own same game parlay with NFL, NBA. And right now, New customers using the code RTRS bet five bucks and get $200 in free bets instantly with DraftKings Sportsbook. The best thing about DraftKings is the app. It's easy to put money in, easy to take money out. Well, the best thing is actually the sponsor of the Ricky. Second best thing is, is that the app is good. Download the app now. Sign up with code RTRS. New customers bet $5 on the NBA, get $200 in free bets instantly. It's code RTRS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bank partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. This year's Sixers. I had uh, I, I look at what you, you and specifically, um, the only two real national basketball writers that I consume are you and Zach. Uh, because I think... The job is so is more all consuming um, than than people like realize. I guess I for me, I watch one team. It takes out so much of my my day that the idea of being and I, I feel like by watching. I've said this a bunch of times. By watching one team and every game, you do see a lot. You see every other team at least twice. You see a lot of teams three and four times. I feel like I have a, a good sense of other teams, but you need to have an even better sense of like all of that what is before we get into the Sixers like what is the process of doing that and I assume you have to prioritize like you know the the eight teams that have no chance of making the playoffs whatsoever you have to I guess put down in the in the watch list like how do you stay up on everything to feel like you can talk um intelligently about that well, I mean, it's definitely tough. Uh, I think for me, like over the years of the ringer, I've tried to be good at scheduling, um, knowing that there's going to be stretches of the season where I don't watch a team because um, it's impossible because I'm doing draft stuff on top of that. Like we're launching yeah. the draft guide on on Tuesday with 30 profiles, 50 are done already. Just you know, we're not launching with, with, with all 50 of them. So it's Seems like a lot working of working my- you like a dog, man. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> no, I mean, man? I, I want to be though. I, I, lo- okay. I love doing right. it. It's, it's a, it's a lot of fun to do and I enjoy what I do. I think when it comes to balancing out, it's, it's about knowing what team have I not watched in a while? How much of this game do I need to watch? Do I need to watch the entire game? Do I need to watch it live? Do I need to watch it like on a 45 minute cut on synergy or should I just watch the fourth quarter or, or maybe yeah. sometimes it's like scrolling box scores in the morning and seeing how a guy performed and, and then clicking through and watching all of his possessions, you know? So instead of having to sit for two and a half hours to watching a game, then I can watch the players or the, the stretches of the game over a more condensed amount of time. So it's about being smart and knowing when to watch and how to, how to invest your time. But it's, I mean, I definitely go through stretches where um, there's teams where I wouldn't feel comfortable talking about them. Um, so the uh, Sixers, like 
They, I, I think like right now, there's a, I think everybody knows how to talk about a lot of different teams, right? Everybody knows how to talk about the Celtics. Pre-Durant injury, I felt like people were getting into a spot where they were ready to start talking about the Nets as like a, a championship contender, like seriously. Everybody knows how to talk about the Bucks, even though they've been weird this season, you know? Even though the, the Warriors are 500, everybody knows how to talk about them. Everybody knows how to talk about the Nuggets. Sixers are so weird, man. I, I don't think anybody really talks about them as a serious title contender, but you're looking at it and they're a game behind the Bucks, a game and a half behind the Nets. Like since Harden's come back, I think they're 13 and four. The, the efficiency numbers on offense and defense, like look good, you know, like, especially when the guys are playing. So why is it? that those things exist yet they aren't really considered a, a championship contender. And what have you thought of them when they've been healthy-ish this year? Well, they should be considered a championship contender. You think uh, so? Are you a Harden yeah. guy? I'm a, yeah, I'm a definitely a Harden guy. I've been a Harden uh, guy for many, for many years going back okay. to Houston. Um, so that, that plays into it here with my belief in Harden and the way he's kind of evolved his game to be, you know, a score, a passer first, scorer second. He's not averaging 35 anymore, but the burst is closer to what it was before. You know, last season was not good. Health is definitely a concern if he has more hamstring injuries or any type of injury that nags. But I mean, going back to last season, ever since Harden was acquired, the Harden and Bede pick and roll is amongst the league's most efficient in all of basketball. So, I mean, when I was in Philadelphia before the season and did that, feature I did on Daryl Morey. I interviewed both Harden and Embiid and some of that stuff didn't get into it. Like maybe we'll use it for some time down the line, but like they talked about, you know, how it's about figuring out how to defeat defenses when they start switching, you know, developing right. the chemistry there, not just when Embiid's pick and popping or rolling down the lane. So that's going to be the question, you know, come playoff time when you, if they're facing the Bucks or the Celtics and they're switching every single screen, in the half court and taking away their best tool together. So, I mean, I think with Philadelphia, they By the have way, their the best pieces. tool. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Their best tool, but it doesn't seem like Embiid like loves doing it. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, it's like a weird thing is everybody throws the pick and roll numbers, but when you watch them, you can watch an entire game and feel like you see it three times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and Bede's not yeah. a roll guy, but even pick and pop, like all that, it just feels like they don't, do it that much, which is strange. I don't know if the numbers say something differently, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you see it a lot. It doesn't feel like, you know, when a team has a bread and butter action, like, Oh, it's, it's, it's crunch time. They're going to go to this. It doesn't feel like they go to that, which yeah. is weird. You know, I mean, they, like statistically they do it, you know, near the most in the NBA with pick and roll duos, like Chris Paul and eight. And I think going back to last season are number one, um, Harden and Embiid are right up there in terms of the per okay. game number of times they do it. However, I mean, considering, like you said, you watch these games and sometimes with Embiid, it's not like he sets that screen and he's rolling hard to the basket like a Jaron Allen, a Rudy Gobert type. Like if that doesn't happen, that's not his style when it comes to rolling to the basket. So, I mean, for those guys, it's just different. It's different than what Harden had with Clint Capella or Montrez Harrell in Houston and now in Philadelphia again. So it's a different flavor with those two. Um, I mean, that's something that I, like statistically this year, it's also not as potent as it was last year, despite Harden being better. 
individually than he was last year. But I think overall, though, like Maxi's improvement, um, the upside that he has, the level that he can play at, the PJ Tucker variable with him as a spot up shooter, as a versatile defender, Tobias Harris playing his role, they have the pieces. I, I just feel like there's a couple of there's some there's some missing wings. I mean, like a better Matisse Thybul yeah. type, you know, who can add some shooting off the bench. There's there's some missing pieces inside that championship formula for Philadelphia, and they don't have a lot of picks or assets to go get it though. If if you could add one thing, it would be wing guy. It would be like three and D wing guy. Is that that's uh, about who? But who right, and right, for right, what? Right. That that's the yeah. issue with like the salaries. You could you could combine Korkmaz with Batiste Thibel and they can deal one pick, correct? Twenty twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so far away. Like I, I like what can you really get? And and you you real they really have to decide. And they have they've time well, they have three weeks to decide from a trade perspective. Morty has to decide if I'm you know, and after the season, they'll have another pick they can trade. They they can no, they can't, right? Because they 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 wouldn't be able to trade if they can trade twenty nine. They can't trade thirty. So after after this year, they would still only have the one first round pick. I think he has to, and you you get into a world where if they if you don't think they're going to win a championship, they lose in the second round or something like that. And you think there's, a, I don't think there's a chance that Harden walks. To be quite honest with you, but like if you think that's possible. Maybe you need that pick to go along in a Tobias Harris trade somewhere, or like maybe you. It's there's a lot of math he's got to do, and there's a lot of guessing he's going to have to do without a lot of room for error at this point. I don't think that's that's really entirely his fault. I think it's mostly not Maury's fault because most of that trading happened beforehand, or it happened when you know he had to throw a pick away to get rid of of uh, of Horford, or he had to throw a pick away to get rid of Richardson and get like all these things he had to do. He had the the Simmons trade that might be his fault um it's just not not a lot of room for error you know what I mean if you want to win a championship what's the temperature of Sixers fans when it comes to you know the big picture place of the franchise right now with everything we're talking about with the lack of picks the lack of flexibility but the current you know really good state of the franchise like it's a great team I mean like how are Sixers fans feeling it's it's I, I would say of the this is the tenth season we've done it. This is the weirdest year we've had in terms of gut. Like I don't I don't think anybody I think most people who are saying they think they have a chance are talking are are, are sort of like talking themselves into it. I th- I think there's been like enough <clears throat> there's been enough disappointments and then watching watching what Harden did in Miami against Miami last year, like that elimination game. I, uh, and this isn't hyperbole. This isn't anti-hardened guy stuff. Like putting that aside, that game was so bad. Like that game was so bad. If you watch that game, it was, it's so hard to shake. So I think, I think like, I think reserved and optimistic is sort of how everyone feels. I think everyone like out loud will go, wow, Harden got another triple doubles, leading the league in assists. There's Joel again, leading the league in scoring or second league scoring or whatever. Wow, Maxi's better. Uh, the Sixers fans have turned on PJ Tucker pretty hard. That, that there's all, It's always whoever plays that position, whether it's Danny Green or Robert Covington or whoever, <laughs> like they, they turn on that guy. Um, but I, I don't think anybody trusts it. If, I, if I'm to be honest, I don't think anybody trusts it. 
And understandably so, considering the way things ended last year and then like the Embiid comments and that weird Jake Fisher interview a couple weeks back or a month back, whenever it yeah. was about, you know, they, they'll want to boo, them boo me to trade, trade me. Like, yeah. What's you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's All weird. Strange. Man. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then Doc he, Rivers, if, it, if they fall short, like who knows how the coaching staff feels right now. Doc yeah. could be, they could move on from Doc after the season. Yeah, Sixers fans hate Doc too. And that didn't. Yeah. Oh, that didn't yeah. well, understandably so. He's yeah. not a good coach. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, it's it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Him being named one of the ten best coaches of all time is amazing, right? Oh, I mean, it's 15, like what was it, a top 15. 15. <laughs> fifteen. Yeah, it's like yeah, they did fifteen yeah. just to include him or something. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> try, try top fifty, maybe. Yeah, it's it's really fucking crazy. Were you a? Uh, were you, just the minor things, minor Sixers things. Um, were you a were you a Jaden Springer guy pre-draft as a draft guy? Do you remember? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I liked him. I wouldn't say I wouldn't call myself like a Jaden Springer guy, but yeah, I like Jaden Springer. He had a good game the other night. Yeah, Mike. Mike was a Mike has been begging for Jaden Springer minutes for the the two years he's been here. Somebody tweeted the other day. He's the only until. Until he passed the number in the game last night, he was the only first-round pick of that draft who hadn't played 100 minutes in the NBA wow. yet so far. Wow. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. I did not know that with that stat, that his numbers were... I knew he wasn't playing much, but I didn't know he was the only one. Yeah, he's a good player. He, I mean, I, I liked him at Tennessee. He's an energizer on defense. You know, plays hard. You, know, you can pass. You watch, him in the, you watch him in the G League, and it just it looks like he's... He looks like really projecty. When you see him yeah. in the in the in the G League, and they're not they're not really like at the point where, and he doesn't, and I think the biggest problem for them in getting him in NBA minutes is he doesn't have a, like one skill that sticks out that they can use. Like he doesn't he doesn't shoot particularly well. He's not a good particularly good ball handler. He's not big, right? Like so, he, it's not like he can throw him in there and and hope he he rebounds. Like there's nothing he can do. I think to get himself on the court. And his G League stuff is like is iffy so far. I think that's the the biggest problem. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, he, he he was such a shaky shooter at Tennessee. Like the numbers were fine, but he took like forever to unlock unlock to uh, unleash the shot. It was like such a slow release, and you know he's six three. Like you're saying, what's missing from Philadelphia? Maybe another wing, not another guard. They're right. fine there. I wonder if maybe like if he if he gets some minutes, could his perhaps value increase a bit? where he feels like a second first round draft pick and an offer for another team. I wonder if Philly can get feed him enough minutes over the next month or so and maybe throw him in a deal. I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't count on it. Yeah. It's a little um, pipe dream. You never know. Maybe he I continues to excel. We, we're going to play a couple of voicemails. We'll get to it. We, we got another Q-tip. There's, there's been a, a groundswell on a Ricky about like Q-tip discourse and who uses Q-tips. And we had a, we had a call in the last pod. We'll get to that. We, but we also have a voicemail. We have to play you about the ringer top 100. Um, that, that I think I handed <laughs> to you. Uh, so I, I want to play that to you. We'll, we'll okay. do that right, right after uh, I talk about big Barker uh, dog beds. I was actually just looking at my dog rebel laying on his big Barker. He's got two. So we have a big Barker in our bedroom and we have a big Barker in the guest room. The important thing about the big Barker dog bed is that it is, is different than other dog beds in that the big Barker dog bed keeps your dog healthier. I know that sounds crazy. I know it does, but 
PenVet did a study on the big barker dog bed and found differences in, in improvement in joint function and reduction, pain severity, and all those things. The difference between big barker and other dog beds is that it's a real bed. It's, it supports your dog's joints and it makes your dog like, like, like as your dog ages, when, you know, I, I, I was talking in the, uh, in the, uh, in the lead up about my joints getting achy as I get older, the same thing happens to your dog and big barker prevents it. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You get the big barker dog bed, but if you go to that link, you also get two process pup patches. You can put one of them on the dog bed, the other one, do whatever you want. You can put both of them on the dog bed. You don't have to put any of them on the dog bed. So many of our listeners have bought big barker dog beds and we get great reviews every time. Uh, joint pain and uh, arthritis in dogs is a real thing. Dogs over 50 pounds, up to 80% of them develop arthritis as they age. The Big Barker is not only a, a better bed, it looks nice. It comes in a bunch of different colors. It'll look nice, whether you have it in the living room, whether you have it in the bedroom, and every size. I keep talking about bigger dogs. They do have giant ones for big dogs. Rebels, 40 pounds, sleeps on a large. But even if you have a tiny dog, there's the Barker Jr. Once again, engineered by experts to keep your youthful dog, your dog youthful for longer and brings older dogs back to their best. 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial. Try it for a full year. If you don't like it, they'll give you a full refund and pay for shipping. It's handmade in the USA. Uh, CJ, I think I'm going to have to ask you to bark. Can't ask KOC to bark. Big Barker dog beds. Woof. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Ricky KOC. Uh, you can leave a voicemail for the Ricky at 833-LICKFACE. That is 833-LICKFACE. I felt like I had to play you this one. Now, the context of this KOC is several pods ago, maybe a month ago, we mentioned we were going to talk about the Ringer 100 in the intro. We didn't get to it. And then that we tried it again, we didn't get to it. So it has become a mainstay in that it's always in the intro but we never get to it. So we did get a voicemail about the Ringer 100. Oh man, man, CJ, you didn't, you didn't tell me that I forgot to connect the Bluetooth. Fuck man. I had had so many good pods in a row where I made sure I was doing it correctly. Hang on. Then we'll go. Sorry, KFC. This is very oh, unprofessional. No, no one at Spotify would, wouldn't screw this up. All right, here we go. <laughs> Oh, motherfucker. So, even though you there promised, I think it's okay to not talk All about right. it. Last try. Here we go. Hey, guys. Gabe from Bryn Mawr. First time, long time. So even though you promised, I think it's okay to not talk about the Sixers positions on the Ringer 100 because it's garbage list, especially since the cadre of fake smart guys at the Ringer didn't even bother to do the bare minimum and agree on ranking criteria by you know, starting it so it's not really even objective in the slightest. But I would be more interested if you talked about some of the player write-ups. Because some friends and I were talking, and we thought that there's a real chance that they actually might be all AI generated. The language is weird, references a bunch of traits that the players don't really have, talks a lot about nonsense like how they move on the court. And now I'm thinking it's possible that the content was done just by like data mining language from social media or sites like ESPN and having AI spit out the result based on player sentiments. So I guess the question is, 
can somebody get Ben Dietrich back in touch with the guy who did the Colangelo burner analysis to look at like the past two years of ringer articles and see if any of them were actually done by people. And then non-basketball, non-basketball question. It feels like CJ hasn't been visually as present on the podcast the past couple months. So I'm wondering, did he get in trouble at work due to something on the pod or did Tony T's questions rattle him a bit and he's still recovering? Thanks. I'll answer the second one first. Hey there has been no specific, <laughs> CJ, you didn't get in trouble for something on the pod. That is CJ shaking his head now. So no, CJ didn't get in trouble with work. CJ's not in trouble. CJ, uh, he had he had a stretch, especially during the color star thing where he was on camera a lot. I don't think that there's any difference now. KOC, these are obviously really, um, really serious accusations that the Ringer Top 100 <laughs> was... Not only organized by fake smart guys, but written by artificial intelligence. Your your response to that? Uh, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed taking the time and writing those my on my own. Uh, <laughs> you wrote them? I, you, you, yeah, you wrote I wrote, them? I wrote mine. I, I wrote my twenty five. <laughs> I did not read all other seventy five. <laughs> Can only speak for myself. Um, oh but, my uh, god. Yeah. Yeah, the, the <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've I've skimmed through and definitely read some of them. I read it like I I read those. It's like that's Jay Kyle man with his jokes. That's Rob yeah. Mahoney with his analogies. That's Pena's analysis. So I mean, th- those guys all did great work on those. Um, and the Sixers blurbs. I'm just looking through right now uh, as as I see this now. I wrote the Embiid one. Okay. Um, I believe Rob Mahoney wrote the Harden one. And then Tyrese Maxey, also written by me. And then Tobias Harris just cracked the top 100 written by Mahoney. Is it possible um, not, that not you AI are, generated. Is it is it possible that you as an entire existence are AI generated? I, I wish I could help the, the help of AI. <laughs> if chat GPT ever gets to the point that it can actually assist me, I would love the help. <laughs> um, I... I saw you tweet today and, and I had, I, I've mentioned on the pod a couple of times you tweeted today. And I think the number was that there's 55 players averaging 20 points or more. And I had mentioned on the pod a couple of times that there are seven players averaging 30 or more, at least there were a couple of weeks ago. And I went through the last 40 years and the most I could ever find in a season was three. And most seasons were two or one. And there are several seasons where there were zero players averaging 30. Um, what do you think is going on? I think it's a mixture of things. I, I mean, the take file rule change definitely plays into it. Oh, um, I hadn't thought of that. You know, it's it's teams as well. I think you know feeding some of these guys just more shots, um, and perhaps I think defense has plateaued at this point. You know, I've talked with a number of different people. Like I've asked that same question to some coaches and executives. Like, why is this happening? And and a lot of them think, well, where's the innovation on defense? What are defenses doing to actually stop this right now? Everybody knows what everybody's doing. Offenses and particularly the game's best scorers, it's it's not a guessing game. They know what's going to be happening. They know how they're going to be defended. So I think that's really the key thing. It's this you know convergence of a, a rule change with the brilliant talent the league has right now, the depth of scorers, the amount of perimeter shooters there are and also a lack of defensive innovation right now, too. All of that happening all at once is playing into the amount of high-volume scores we have and great efficient scores we have, too. Do you think um, it's, it's interesting you say, like, the lack of innovation? I 
I wonder like why that is. It feels like if there was a breakthrough somewhere, you know, like where somebody figured something out. Um, but it, like, I, I, it, you, you're right. Like when you're watching games, there's more zone. It feels like there's more zone now than there's ever been, but it, it does feel like that they, sh- that the team shoot too well for that to be, you know, particularly tenable during playoffs. It doesn't feel like anyone's going to do that for an extended period of time during the playoffs, or you're not going to beat a championship contender really going zone, right? Like maybe you'll get out of the first or second round, but you're not going to beat anyone important. I, it, it really hit me when I looked at Embiid's numbers, right? Embiid's averaging like 33.7 or something like that points and 10 rebounds. And you look at that and how could you be averaging 33.7 points and 10 rebounds and legitimately not be a five top five MVP candidate? But you could make that argument pretty soundly that he's not, right? I, I think you could make the argument that he is, but you could definitely make the argument that he's not. And I just wonder, I wonder if this is like, good or not good it's good in the nfl scoring's really good in the nfl i wonder if it's if this much is good in the nba if it getting this easy is is good for the league uh, i'm i'm with you i mean I, I love watching basketball right now i think it's a aesthetically pleasing sport but at the same time you know i'm like you saying that makes me think about that kirk goldsbury book a couple of years ago sprawl ball where he kind of you know laid that out saying hey the nba needs to be worried about what is the most pleasing game to watch yeah like what what leads to people turning on their TVs and wanting to stick with games? Is it these high scoring affairs where some teams are shooting over 33%, 40% of their total shots from behind the arc on a night in, night out basis? Or is it, you know, some lower scoring defensive battles where it's aggressive and teams are, you know, like you bring back hand checking, how would that change the the complexion of the game? Obviously, there'd be less scoring. Obviously, things would be harder on Stephen Curry to get wide open coming around screens and pick and rolls and all that. But maybe that leads to more viewers that have left the game over the years to think, oh, yeah, it's all flopping. It's all this easy scoring. Nobody plays defense. Maybe you went, maybe like instead of ignoring those fans, you should actually try to start appealing to those fans to, you know, which are falling apart. Yeah. Instead of making fun of them. Right. Like, yeah, Yeah. ratings are going down and attendance is going down and all those things. And like, maybe, maybe they're not wrong, you know, now, you know, I lived through the nineties and like the, the, the mid and late nineties in the NBA were not, it was not an aesthetically pleasing game, but there must be, I guess I just feel like there must be a, uh, a middle ground between the two. And I think that the other thing is, is like, you know, you, you watch an all-star game and they're they're just trying to like get through it, right? And I, I wonder if to some extent the regular season has been devalued to a to an extent where you're right, skill-wise, they're much better and strategy-wise, they're much better. But I, I wonder if just like the incentive to compete on defense is not what it was. And we've devalued the regular season like too much and i think that's probably part of it too sure and i think that's got to be a component of it like uh whether it's an individual or collective basis on defense whether it's from a game preparation standpoint that's what the nfl has right like the nfl every single game matters it's a full week of game planning for that one opponent and it's a must-win game every game is whereas for the nba you're not changing your game plans at all if anything, like uh, right. over the course of a multi-week, multi-month period. So I think with the NBA, 
that's one of the reasons why Adam Silver wants to install the in-season tournament, like it or not, you know, agree with the plan or not. Their their intention is to improve the value of the regular season where you're creating something that matters in December to give meaning to a segment of the season that last year, Dallas, you know, Luca was fat in December. Boston sucked. And those two teams yeah. made the, you know, finals for Boston and the West finals for Dallas. Like what ha- happens October to December really doesn't matter at all. Even what happens in January doesn't really matter that too much at all. Even the Lakers, they start off what two and 10. Yeah. And you know, they're now it's just a game back from the six seed. Um, you know, it's a long season and you have a lot of time to make up for. So maybe, maybe the solution is much more dramatic for the NBA. Uh, and that means, you know, fewer games, you know, here's, I, th- I actually think it's less complicated that Adam Silver is making it. Um, I, I don't think it's a midseason tournament. I think the NBA is still, I would say the, the sport in which home court matters the most. It's more than football, certainly more than baseball, certainly more than hockey. I would just say, like, I, I would try this and see what happens. Hey, next year in the playoffs, in a seven-game series, the home team gets five in a seven-game series. Mm. And and just, like, like let, let, like, that, that's a, a huge advantage. A huge advantage if the, if the road team is only getting game two and game six, you might even not even see game six. You know, like watch all of a sudden watch teams that are like this. You, you're looking at the, the the standings in the Eastern Conference, right? And you have basically the Celtics and the Cavs, the top six seeds: Celtics, Nets, Bucks, Sixers, Cavs, all separate top five seeds, separated by three and a half games. I don't know, man. If if the the Celtics and the the Bucks, you look at them who have already won a championship and might be coasting a little bit. I know Middleton's hurt, but all of a sudden, if you're looking at the prospect of a first round four or five series and you have only two home games, I don't know. I, I like I know financially that you would have to work that out because the the it would it would hurt the road team too much. But even that, then the edict from above would be like finish in the top four, man. Finish in the top mm-hmm. two. Yeah. For sure, I, I, I'm in favor of that. I mean, like in past years, I, I've I've argued for letting the top four seeds choose their first round opponent, and yep. you know, I think something like that is an extra incentive. Like, let's say, you know, let's say Philadelphia ends up getting the one seed, right? Like, they get the first pick of their first round opponent. Like, if on the last day of the regular season, a team suffers an injury to their star player, you're choosing that team, and, yep. and or if you're choosing the young team that slipped into the playoffs. You know, for the NBA, maybe that starts something that emerges into a rivalry over the course of time. And like, that's what you need is like real animosity and games that matter. And what you're proposing makes total sense to me with five games instead of four for home court advantage um, or even like choosing, you know, the type of schedule. I mean, this is really tough to to work out. But instead of two, three, two or two, two, one, 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 maybe you could you know, put three in front, three home games in front and then two on the road. And then, you know, two on the back, something like that at home. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think they have to do something because I, I, uh, I like, I hate being this guy. I hate being like the game's getting less popular, but like, if it's getting less popular, it means less people like it. And less, if less people like it, it means less people enjoy it. It's just not good for the sport. Right. Like it's a great um, sport. Like people should yeah. be, there's so many great players right now. Yeah. It's, and I love basketball so much. I love basketball more than, than any other sports. It's not even like 
close for me. And it just, it's a, a bummer to see people enjoying it less. And uh, it's a bummer for me, really, like the old man take, but like the devaluing, devaluing the regular season for the playoffs is funny to me because nobody wins the title. Like, you know what I mean? Like NBA more than any other sport, fewer teams win the title, I, I would bet over time. You know, you don't see three-peats in any other sport. And there's very little randomness that goes in, the historically, that goes into the uh, the NBA playoffs about who's going to win the title. It's not like baseball or football where, uh, you know, a, a bottom seed is going to win. So, like, to make the only thing matter, winning a title, is basically, like dismissing 95% of what people are consuming basketball for you. Most people aren't getting a title. They're just watching regular season basketball games. You know, it's a bummer. I just think it's a bummer. Well, they, they had, I mean, they're going to do the in-season tournament. So yeah. if you, if I, I, what I'd love to see is they, you win a trophy for best regular season record, whether it's in each conference or just best overall in the league, you know, that way you can have a team that potentially could win the in-season tournament and best season best season record and all the incentives that you're talking about choosing your opponent getting five home games or whatever it is right like whatever the incentive is and if you someday win the nba finals that could be like the nba's version of a triple crown where early yeah. season matters with the in season the entire season matters with best regular season record and all the incentives and then the nba finals still is what it is uh, we have a couple more things with KOC. I have to troll him about Tom Brady and then, uh, <laughs> bring up Q-tips. Uh, before that, um, Briggs Auction is a sponsor of the Ricky and they are, now that the new year has started, they are back doing it. Briggs Auction is a four generation owned and operated auction house right there in Delaware County. The reason I like, so Briggs Auction does a state auction. So right now the one that's live now, and then there's uh, another one going live, uh, next week. The one that's live now is the state sporting uh, library. So it's all, Tobias would love this, like tens and tens and tens of lots of classic books, which is awesome. But it's mostly, and then next week, there's the wine, estate wine and spirits auction. So if you're a wine guy or something like that, you'll love that. Mostly it's these estate auctions, which have everything from collectibles, like, like baseball cards, sporting collectibles, music collectibles to art. Uh, I've bought a bunch of art things. I've bought a bunch of collectible things. I bought a couple of Elvis things. Fucking love Elvis. Um, and the best thing about the Briggs auction is that every week there's something new and every week you can go in there and scroll and look for something as well with the estate auctions too. There's furniture, like classic furniture. You're not going to get anywhere else. You go to buy new furniture. Now they're going to tell you, yeah, because supply chain is going to take you six months. You get it from Briggs auction. Not at all. Download the app. Briggs auction app is in the app store or Google play, or just go to briggsauction.com. I check in every Monday or Tuesday or so spend 25 minutes looking through bidding is fun. Losing kind of sucks, but bidding is fun. Took me a few months to win something. BriggsAuction.com. Pickup is easy by appointment during the week or open on Saturdays. Or if you get something big, they can work with you on a shipper. And if you went down your basement and found all the shit that you feel like you could sell or you're downsizing, they can work on it for you. Inquiries go to info at BriggsAuction.com. Once again, BriggsAuction.com. Um, we, I was reminding you the other day when you were on during the pandemic, our argument, our Brady argument stemmed from my longstanding take that rather than getting rid of Jimmy G, the Patriots should have kept Jimmy G and, and traded Tom Brady for a haul, which I, I still think, even though it, even though you say it doesn't make you mad anymore, I feel like it probably does. 
you said something the other day. So you grew up in the Boston area, grew up Patriots fan, right? Yep. But right now you would consider yourself, if it was Tom Brady versus the Patriots, you would cheer for Tom Brady? Yeah, I'd cheer for Tom Brady. Why is that? I mean, my my love for Boston sports has just changed over the years. I mean, I used to watch uh, every single Patriots game with my dad. I used to watch every single Celtics game with my dad. And, you know, with, with the Celtics over the years, I get into sports media in 2013, that fandom started to really decline each year. And not it's not that it happened like I wanted it to happen. I, yeah. I continued rooting for the team. It just declined over the years. And I think, you know, not to get too sad and emotional here, Definitely like, you know, in the recent years prior to my dad passing away in 2020, my fandom was still, you know, like like I knew there was a special place in my heart for the Celtics, but I wasn't rooting for the team with him passing away. It was like, there's no, there's nothing connecting my love for the team. I have love for past teams. Like I still feel something for Leon Poe and Eddie house and those great Celtics teams and the role players in the late two thousands and KG and Paul Pierce and, teams in the early 2000s, Eric Williams, Walter McCarty, all those guys. I still feel something for those teams. But the team today, I mean, whether it's just being in part of sports media for now 10 years and not having the relationship with the team, including the Patriots, with my dad as well, that's that's definitely been a big factor in really the the death of uh, the relationship with the Celtics and the Patriots, which is you know bittersweet in a lot of ways. I wish I could feel something. You know, it's funny that the sports media thing, people don't buy, right? Like like I'll say, I'll say something about you, Zach Lowe, obviously from the same area and and was a a Celtics fan as well. And I'll I'll say something about you guys not being fans anymore. And specifically, I know Philadelphia people will be like, nah, they're really still fans. And people, people who don't do the, the job every day, I think can't conceive of a world in which you consume sports in like in that different way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, uh, and, it's, and God no, bless There's them, no way I know? could have been able to conceive it years ago either. Yeah. Even yeah. when I first got into this, I thought, oh, I'll always be a Celtics fan. I'll right. always be a hardcore Celtics fan. Like I used to be the type of fan that said I would never date a Lakers fan or a Yankees fan. I was that type, right? And now it's just not even a factor. It's not even an equation. Um, I don't know. It, it definitely changed a lot over the years, kind of against my will. Um, you know, even after hired, being hired by the ringer, like the, really the last year that I felt like I was rooting for the Celtics was that Isaiah Thomas year in 2016, 17, which was my first year with the ringer. But even then my fandom was, you know, so little compared to what it was before when I was posting on Facebook on a nightly basis about Celtics games on, um, you know, all these Facebook statuses and all caps F LeBron and everything like that. It's just that that was gone by that point. F LeBron is still fun. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I haven't listened to it yet. I think Vernon did a whole LeBron thing the other day that yeah. apparently, yeah, well, well, I gotta, yeah. I gotta listen to that. Um, I, I, it makes me think about Bill Simmons, like, still i, I yeah. can't tell if he's acting or not but he yeah. does he so he isn't he still, still cares still, that much I mean, i've been it's to wild i've been to games with him and i've had this thought in my mind where it's like he's so into the game like we were at a king's clippers game and he's so into it and, and it's just like he still has that love yeah. for 
sport and for the Celtics. Like it's all real with him. And yeah, unless he's always on, but uh, like it's, it's really amazing just to be around him and see that true fandom come out that he yeah. still has that. The, the back to the Brady thing that it does feel like though. And I accept every reason you gave and <laughs> every reason I do, I do. And um, and I remember when your your uh, your father passed away, and you you wrote great stuff about it, and um, it, like that connection between a, a father and a son and the teams they cheer for. I one hundred percent, I get it. It does seem like there is something about Brady, though. Like I work with a guy named Zach Gelb. Zach does nights at CBS Sports Radio, and Zach, like, is Patriots fan, but like, if I made him pick. I think he would pick Brady. I it's it's it is like a wild thing. There hasn't been very many players that have won as much as he has, you know, like so I guess it's hard to compare. I guess you could say um you could say Jordan, but Jordan had such a a, a short post Bulls career that it didn't really matter. It's just wild the the Brady part of it to me is wild. I mean, you know? think, think about it like this. I'm 32 years old right now, and I'll turn 33 later this year. Okay. Tom Brady has been in my life since I was 11. Before I was a teenager, before I was ever in high school, before any of that, like Tom Brady was part of my life. Like I became a Patriots fan. Oh, really, the, 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 per, the perfect time. <laughs> See, he's, he's been a part of Patriots fans lives and NFL fans lives for over two decades over yeah. all the changes and all of our personal lives and everything that's evolved over the course of time. So as somebody that has watched every single one of his games with the Patriots uh -huh. as somebody who like what got home on time, made it a priority on Sundays, Mondays or Thursdays, whatever night he was playing, who would delay watching breaking bad finales because the Patriots were playing like he was part of that for you. And so I think with Tom Brady, like if you're, if I'm power ranking some of the happiest moments in my entire life, like he'd be part of that. Just like any sports fan can relate to. And Bede's probably like that for many Sixers fans. You know, Allen Iverson like that for many Sixers fans. You know, Steph Curry for Warriors fans. Like the, the moments shared with the people you care about or whether you're alone watching a game, sometimes your happiest moments involve sports. And so I think that plays into it where I'm always going to root for I'm, – I'm like still rooting for the Patriots. I want them to do well. But at the same time, Tom Brady has just taken over that. And I root for him to win his eighth Super Bowl and to play until he's 50 and to win multiple more. I, like He should go to another team and keep trying to win. He still has it. <laughs> <laughs> listenership just cut. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't decide whether I respect the fact that he's like, ruined his marriage over continuing to play football <laughs> or, or like I'm like gassed by it, but like there is, it is something he is like, Oh, you're going to leave. Okay. It. Well, I'm still going to play. You know? I totally respect it. Yeah. Um, uh, before we, we wrap up with a, a two Q-tip calls that I want to play you. Cause I, I need to get your Q-tip, um, your Q-tip takes, uh, your big music guy. I, over the, I, after I got this job, um, feel like I got so busy and I, I have barely played guitar over the last year. I'm wondering, A, do you still find time for music? Is there anything good that you've listened to lately? And B, are you still playing? 
I have not played much guitar at all this season, which sucks, is right? Really, a shame. I see those gorgeous guitars behind you. Uh, what is that, Jaguar and a Telecaster behind you, right there? Yeah, the the, the Jaguar is nice. The Telecaster is like oh, really yeah. nice, actually. Yeah, yeah that, that nice clean tone, and yeah. it's just like you 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 see it on the wall. You want to play it, you know. I got my guitars in, my, in the other room, and I just I don't have much time to play him yeah. but you know you can create the time you can you can even just take it five ten minutes i should probably integrate that in um even with music spike like i i, I feel like i have i've been doing best of the year playlists for since 2018 or something like that yeah this year this year my playlist had you know less than half the amount of songs it's had in past years and that's purely because i just haven't listened to as much new music I've, I have forced myself in that way. And I do the Carl Landry Record Club. The the music podcast we do has forced me to like listen to music every week. And I and the and because it gives me different stuff to listen to, the Spotify suggestions I get are like more varied. Um, so and like it it's honestly when I run in the morning, it's one of the most important things, is at least for 35 or 40 minutes. I have music on and it forces me to listen to it. You like the, uh, the new album by or earlier last year, big thief. I haven't listened to big thief. I haven't listened to it. Is it good? Yeah, it's a good album. I like yeah. that one. I'll yeah. check it out. That, that one comes to mind as something new from this past year. I, I feel Mount, like we... Mount, Mount joy, of course. Billy yeah. Band. Mount joy, friend of the Ricky. Yep, C, yep. CJ was on stage with Mount joy. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, CJ was up there uh, yeah. for their Philly show. Well, yeah, well, Matt, Matt, the one, totally, the one a couple months ago. Yeah, so like I, last, I was there, I was in the crowd. So last year, there's Matt. Hey. Like, so last year, um, uh, Matt was supposed to put CJ on a list and didn't. And <laughs> and we, I think we banned, I don't know if we banned him, but he eventually <laughs> he came back. He, he, this was great. He offered his apologies. He, he asked if CJ wanted to come on stage during what song was it, CJ? I can't remember what song it was. Was it, uh, do you remember what song you were on stage for? Was it Lemon something? What's the well, Lemon Tree? Lemon Tree. Was it, was it Lemon Tree? From the new album, Orange yeah. Blood, which is really good start to finish. Yeah. I think that's the song it was. And CJ not only said like, he said, yeah, I'd love to come. I'd love to come on stage, but I'd also like to bring all my friends. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Matt yeah. said yes, and he put him up on stage. So. Yeah, I saw them uh, two nights in New York last summer, and then that Philly show it was a great couple of nights. Loved it. They've blown up like it's crazy to see how big they've gotten over the last couple of years. I'm very happy for them. Yeah, you know, so I'm very happy. Um, so you know, with so okay, so a couple pods ago, somebody asked in email whether we use Q-tips to clean our ears, and I said no, as I've learned that you're not supposed to, um, you know, like you think about, I mentioned this earlier today, you mentioned a cannon. They don't use the, 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 the like plunger thing to pull the ball out of the cannon. They use it to push it in. So if you're using Q-tips, you're really pushing the wax in. And Mike said that he, um, he used Q-tips. Now, first of all, KFC, are you a Q-tip guy? No, never, never. Okay. They make it worse. There you go. So we got this voicemail last time, and then I want to play for you the follow-up. So we got this one uh, last pod. Mike, this is the public service call encouraging you to stop shoving those Q-tips into your ears. True story. A number of years ago, I had what I thought was an ear infection and had a fever. I thought it was no big deal. Turns out my fever spikes to 104 degrees. 
I'm incoherent, stumbling around my house. They take me to the hospital. They put me in a medically induced coma to give me two weeks of IV antibiotics because I suddenly had bacterial meningitis. You know why? Because I shoved a Q-tip into my ear like a young Mike Levin, and it, the tip of it broke off in my ear without me knowing it. And having that shit in my body caused me to almost die. So, Michael, stop doing that, or at the very least, if you're going to put the Q-tip in your ear, when you take it out, admire it like you do when you take a poo, look at it, make sure the tip's still there so it doesn't kill you. All right? This is Frank. <laughs> Love you guys. Can't believe this is the first thing I've called about, but at least it wasn't one of those wipe from the front, wipe from the back calls. Okay. Later. <laughs> so we get that call. We played it on the pod the other day. Adam Lefko was on. We talked about it. We debated it, blah, blah, blah. But then today we got a new voicemail from somebody else. Ooh. Eight three th- Yes. Eight, maybe it's Warren. You'll find out. 833-LICKFACE is where you leave a voicemail. Spike, Coach Mike, CJ, first time, long time. Just calling in response to uh, the last episode. There was a caller that talked about how a Q-tip in his ear almost killed them. And that reminds me of this past year where pretty much every time I would take a shower, I felt like I'd eat water in my ear. So I was shaking up and down like Kramer in an airplane and it was manageable. It would kind of go away after a few minutes, but then fast forward to August, I'm on vacation in the outer banks with my girlfriend and her family going to the ocean for a swim and come out and cannot hear it all out of my left ear. And I am shaking and shaking and punching the shit out of that thing. Nothing is working. And even to the point where a family friend put some eardrops in my ear from her daughter who was used to swim like three years ago. So this, this stuff is probably expired anyway. But as soon as he put those eardrops in my ear, it felt like he put a blowtorch in my ear and my brain was on fire. I was in so much pain that I was just laying in bed miserably as everyone else was partying in the house. So I find an ENT doctor on the island, drive there about an hour, probably listen to you guys on full blast on the way there. And within three minutes of me being there, Uh, the doctor, she pulled out an entire head of a Q-tip. I have no idea how I didn't know that was in there. And it felt like I could hear for the first time. It was probably akin to how an orgasm would feel in my brain. It was amazing. Uh, But yeah, I go back and everyone's making fun of me. How do you not know you have a Q-tip in your ear? What a bozo. You know what? Yeah, I am probably a bozo, but I'm glad I'm not like that guy. He almost died. So uh, anyone who's making fun of him for me, like Adam Lefko, go fuck yourselves. But all good. <laughs> it's the Anthony Mellon, the best trade Sixers have made in the last 10 years. All Thanks. Right. Love you guys. So the question is, it seems like people, so when we had Adam on earlier, like earlier in the week and we listened to that initial one, our, our biggest thing was how do you lose a, the head of a Q-tip in your ear and not notice it? No kidding. But it seems like it's like a thing. Like this guy yeah. also l- lost a Q-tip in his ear. In my in my pre-enlightened stage of my life, when I used to use Q-tips when I was like 12, yeah, you know, I, I'd pull it out and I'd take a look, you know, see how much came out, yeah. if any came yeah. out, right? Yeah, and I, I would always look, and then sometimes it'd be clean about, oh, I got I got it all. But, yeah, you know, that's that's not the best way to get it out. I mean, it's having a no, doctor I'd... do it. You know, they scrape it out, or like it's the fluid they put in. They kind of, yeah. I don't know, softens whatever. it. Yeah, exactly. And then they get it out. Uh, there's much the, more productive ways to remove it. <laughs> the The advice I've given is they there's a there's stuff called uh, Debrox, 
which is like eight bucks at CVS, which will saw so- like you you drop it in there, it softens it. And then you if you have a hard water pressure, you can use shower water, let that shoot in there, warm water. Or there's a, a device called a, an elephant ear, which is basically yes. like a like a, a water pump squeeze. thing. Yeah, yep, yep. squeeze and it it pushes it out. Or exactly. you know, go to go to a doctor or something. Don't lose oh, a yeah. fucking Q tip head. Just get it done if your, you, you know, have the doctor check if you get your annual physical, which you should be doing. Yeah. You get, when you're getting your physical to say, hey, can you, I feel like I got some wax in my ears. Can you check? And then they'll say, oh, yeah, your left ear is, you know, get a ton of wax. And then they'll just take it out for you. It's their job. Don't feel bad yeah. about it. It's no their job. It's natural. I'm, I'm due. I'm due as well. <laughs> I get it. I can tell I've had my right ears been blocked recently. I have not stuck a Q-tip in there. I've just been <laughs> dealing with it until I go to the doctor in a month. I'm going next next week. I'm going to the doctor. Get taken care of. Um, <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. Um, thank you for coming on, um, even though you're banned. And uh, we we did get, you know, we got a lot of like people that were excited you coming on. I did share with you a DM. Somebody said, fuck no, that motherfucker's banned or something <laughs> like that. So, um the mismatch is you and Chris Vernon. The writing is on the ringer. The draft show is draft show is going on now. Yeah. Draft show. Yep. I'm not a draft guy. NBA draft show with uh, me yep. and Jay Callum. Yep. New podcast feed with that. Um, and then, uh, and then you pop up everywhere else. Well, uh, even though you say you enjoy it, Simmons is working you like a dog, but, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I'm glad you're doing well, man. And I appreciate you, uh, you co-hosting in lieu of Mike. Appreciate you, Spike. Thank you for having me on. The great Kevin O'Connor, the great band Kevin O'Connor. Mike returns this weekend, Sunday, right? We're doing pod Sunday morning. Is that it? He's, he's, I think he said 10 a.m., not, uh, not 11 a.m. I think that was this weekend. Oh, cool. I think it was. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you to KOC. Thank you to Adam Lefko for filling in. Good week of fill-ins, I think, we had this week. Very strong. Very I think strong. so. Very strong. Uh, and we did... You know what? Should we should we play this before we go? I know it's late to ask you. Are you able to get the Lefko video from TNT? It's on our Twitter and yeah. on our Instagram. Can you pull it? So Adam Lefko, when he was hosting, Adam Lefko hosts Tuesday nights uh, on the the NBA on TNT, and he swore that last night he would say the name when they were playing Sixers highlights. It did happen. I think during the Sixers game, it was halftime of the uh, Thunder Heat game. But he did say the name. Uh, he did. I give him credit. Now, he did make one mistake, which we'll get to. So here we go. Out uh, to the four members of the team. We want to take a look at this. Shout out to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, the best Sixers show. And they are getting Joel Embiid back after missing three games. Harden loses handle. There we go. So, of course, the, the real issue there is he said it is the best Sixers show. It's the only six. Fatal flaw. Yeah. Fatal flaw. Yeah. Nice try. You're going to have to do it again. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll talk to you this weekend. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, look face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's a friend. 